0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the broken. This is
1: what we know about the enemy from Genesis chapter 3, but also 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He's like a snake. He's a serpent. And if he can't get in, like as a, you know, aggressive apex predator, lion kind of thing, going to destroy, he'll try to figure out a way where he can slither in. And chapter 25 is where he slithered into the camp. He couldn't destroy it like a lion, but he was gonna slither in. Because he's he's gunning for these guys, he's looking to bring them down. And the whole Midianite thing and the compromise,
0: it's just the work of the enemy. Very seldomly does Satan come in with guns blazing in a full-on attack. He knows that approach will be much easier to resist. And then we'll see him for the destroyer that he is. Typically, he prefers to come in with more subtle means by degrading our confidence and trust in God and His love. If he can sow seeds of doubt, then we'll be much less likely to detect the attack and to go on the defensive. As Pastor James encourages us in today's message, we need to be on alert against those attacks and be ready with the truth of Scripture. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 25 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
2: Chapter
1: 25 picks up and says, why the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove. Thank you, New Living Translation. Uh, if yours is uh, ESV, you're like, can he say that word? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can, but I won't for your sake. Um, Acacia Grove is technically the, the place, the location where it's at. Some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with the local Moabite women. Oh, well, did that just happen? No, it doesn't just happen. Okay? It wasn't like they set up camp and they're like, oh, hey, you're here, I'm here, let's get together, right? There's a, there's a, a flow to this thing. Yeah. And it begins with the compromise. It says, these women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods. So the Israelites feasted with them and worshiped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal, of Peor, Peor is the mountain where they were at causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. So here it is. So you have the Moabites, and just a, a little history lesson on the Moabites. It, it's, not a, it's not how you want your nation to begin, okay? With a dad and a daughter coming together, and the family coming into a nation, right? You guys remember Lot and his daughters and all that fun stuff? Yeah, really not. How, well, you, you're not going to brag about that. This is their beginning. So they are akin to the Jews, because Lot was a nephew of Abraham, But they, man, uh, throughout all their time of dwelling in their land, they had evidence that God existed. We, all we gotta do is go to Romans chapter 1 for a reminder of that. They knew of Him. Uh, you know that because you also have Balaam who knew of God. They had 400 plus years of time to repent and turn away from their sins and turn to God. They chose not to do that. In fact, they chose to establish their own gods. And this is, this is part of what we have here. This Baal. Baal means master. And, and, more than likely, this is a reference to Kemosh. Kemosh, uh, which is a god that they served, who is kind of similar somewhat to Molech. Molech is known for child sacrifices. Kemosh was probably, human sacrifices were probably involved in his worship as well. All right. But a lot of like, as with all these pagan gods, there was always this act of like, sexual things going on. So. The Midianites invited the Israelites to come and feast with them and come and eat with them. Eat this meat that's been sacrificed to their false gods is basically what's going on. So they're doing, the children of Israel, are doing exactly what God had warned them against and had told them, you cannot do this stuff. This is not allowed. This is not acceptable. And uh, for some reason, they they were maybe lured lured into this by these, I'm sure they were attractive, Midianite ladies. So they, they were invited there, they go there, and then they start hooking up with these ladies, and then God's anger uh, blazes against his people because they are in flat-out rebellion against him. They know the word, they know what they're, they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. It does not matter that it was the previous generation before them, you know, their parents and grandparents and all that stuff, they knew, like, this is not allowed, this is not okay. But they gave in to this. What seemed like an innocent thing at the beginning turned into a tragic thing at the end. That is compromise. It's compromise in a nutshell. So as this is going on, verse 4 says, the Lord issued the following command to Moses, seize all the ringleaders. I like that, New Living Translation, how it phrases this out. Seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight so his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. All right, so there's a group of individuals who are leading the charge of this this rebellion, and God says, gather them all up. Gather them all up, and you're going to execute them in broad daylight, in the sight of all. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, that's not fair. That's that's not nice. No, we we we've been through this. We've been through this. God is holy, and his people are supposed to be holy. He is the one who rescued them from slavery. He is the one who rescued them from bondage. He is the one who sets the rules. And he is setting this precedent from the very beginning of, I do not and will not accept idolatry. Won't accept it. God will not compete with anything or anyone else. He is top, period. We can praise God that we are not pulled out into broad daylight and executed for our idolatry. Because we still are pretty idolatrous. Right? I mean, there's plenty of things in our lives that... Whether we are aware of it or not, or own it or not, we, we, we set up as idols in our own lives, okay? They get more time and attention than God does, if we're honest. Praise God that there's grace, praise God for Jesus and dying on the cross, and taking all of my sins on, upon himself, right? Just amazing. But here, at the beginning, and this again is, this is the, the new generation, because the, the 40 years have come to an end, or are coming to an end. And so you got this new wave of, of individuals in Israel, and they're, they're going out and they're committing the same stuff that essentially that their parents were doing. God's like, we're not going to have it. Pull all these guys out. The ones who are, who are leading others into this, that's what a ringleader is, is that they see something as a good idea, and then they gather people around them to buy into that idea, and then they lead them into the sin. God says, round up all the ringleaders. Round up all those guys. Romans chapter one, that's where we're going through on Sunday mornings. We talked about this as well. Not just individuals who participate, but those who encourage others to participate. It's a ringleader. God's not going to have it. He's going gather them all up. So you can imagine, put yourself there. You're in the wilderness. It's just on the east side of, of Israel. Okay. You got your Dead Sea over here and you're in the wilderness this is basically where you're at. And, and they got to gather all these guys together that they're going to execute and they're going to, they're going to have a very, very visual lesson of like, don't step out on God. Be faithful to him, please. Verse 5 says this. So Moses, order Israel's, or Israel's judges, each one of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshiping Baal of Peor. So Moses delegates this out to the judges of the different tribes. He says, you go get your guys, whoever from your tribe is causing the problem. You round them up. You're going to execute them. So he, delegates this out, and this is, this is all part of it. And Moses says, he sends out his twelve to go find who all, whoever these guys are. They get them. It says, just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent. So, I don't, I don't want to miss this, because this is where you really have to put yourself in the story. You're there, the center of the camp, okay? Probably the, you know, the, the tabernacle's right here, and these guys are getting executed. In public, and and it's going to tell us in a second, there are people who are weeping because their loved ones are being executed for their blatant sin, blatant rebellion, right? As that's going on, this next story happens. Okay, so you have to put yourself there. As you're watching, like, these dudes are dying for that. Then somebody has the audacity to bring a Midianite woman through that scene into his tent. In the presence of everybody. He's talking about somebody who either is so arrogant or so clueless. The, the, the idea behind the passage is arrogant, pride. He, I mean, he's one of the princes of the people. We'll see that in a second. But here, here comes this guy. who brought a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. Like his tent's right there. He's like, What's up, guys? This is my girlfriend right now. I'm just going to bring her into my tent. You know what's going to happen. Everybody's there. And they're like, We just killed all these guys. We are in the act of killing these guys because they've rebelled against God. And this guy just comes walking right through them, bringing his new little girlfriend into his tent. Probably thinking he's doing a good thing because she's like a princess. And it's like, you, you don't know, where, where were you? Where have you been? You totally missed what's going on here. Here's the cool thing. One of the heroes of the Bible who gets no recognition at all except from God, okay? Phineas, verse seven. When Phineas, son of uh, Eliezer, Eliezer, the, the grandson of Aaron, the priest, okay, remember, chronologically, Aaron has just passed away not that long ago, okay? So his grandson, Phineas, he saw this. He jumped up, left the assembly, took a spear, and rushed after the man into his tent. Phineas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But not before 24,000 people had died. Oof, man, sin will cost you. Compromise always brings tragedy. Always brings tragedy. But here's Phineas. He's like a superhero. This story is graphic. I get it. But man, this dude is like, I, I'm not having this. Like, he didn't have to, nobody told him to do this. He saw an injustice happening against God. And he grabs his spear, and he comes in there, and he just shish-kebabs these dudes. Right through them. Like, done. Sorry. Used to be a youth pastor. Um, still kind of am. Uh, and it's done. The plug is done. What's crazy is, if you were to listen enough, you'd hear a hand clap from heaven. God's approval. It's like, good job, Phineas. Good job. Now, do not take this in a weird and crazy way. God doesn't need you to go and kill anybody. Okay, cause that's illegal. We don't do that. And right here, this is, we have to frame this into the context of the story and what's going on. So, for anybody who's ever said, like, I feel like God's telling me to do this, he is not. He is not. Okay? He doesn't need anybody to run around with spears. Okay? We're done with that. That doesn't need to happen anymore, okay? Because if we're still functioning in that realm, then we don't understand the death of Jesus on the cross. Alright? Somebody has died. His name is Jesus. Alright? But here is Phineas serving at the tabernacle from the tribe of Levi, and, and he just is like, I, this is not okay. This is not okay. You can do this in a much different way in the church today, yeah. where you don't hurt anybody, so to speak. You can call out sin. I don't know. When, we, we have this weird thing in church nowadays, um, and we've encountered it a few times, where sin happens in the church, and then if... Some, uh, like, within brothers or sisters, if somebody calls somebody else out, they get, like, offended. I'm like, well, who are you to tell me that this is sin? Well, we're a body, then, that the Bible tells me I can do that, actually. Um, so it's not me. I, I never go out looking to, like, expose anybody or anything like that. But there's this thing that happens within the church where it's like, you can't tell me nothing. No, we can. We can tell each other something because we're a body. And compromise affects the whole body. Okay. So that's, that's how you have to look at this thing. So where we've gotten into this, this thing about like, you know, just let me do my thing and it's not hurting anybody and all that stuff. That's, that's garbage, man. That's, that's nonsense. Compromise hurts us all. And we're all accountable to each other and accountable to the Lord above everything. So if we can't confront each other on our sins, then what in the world are we doing? What did, you, what did you think you signed up for? This is not Christianity. Christianity is about accountability. Now, this is, doesn't mean we, we're not starting any, like, spear-holding ministry in, in our church or anything like that. But we do have to be accountable to each other. We have to be. Because none of us will make it. There's no lone rangers. There's none of this, like, don't tell me what to do and all that stuff. That's pride. That's arrogance. And That's sin. So there has to be this like holding each other accountable within the body of Christ. There has to be a place for that, but it has to be done in a right way. Because I've seen it, I've seen it done right, and I've seen it done wrong. And when it's done right, healing and repentance are a byproduct of that. When when it's happened wrong, hurt, hurt happens. I've witnessed both sides of that story. There's a way to do it. And praise God for the entire Bible. And you have, you have chapters like Matthew chapter 18 that let you know, hey, if somebody's, if somebody's in sin, this is how you address that with, with them. Galatians, the book of Galatians speaks about this, about coming alongside each other and helping each other out. It, spoiler alert, we're all sinners. We all wrestle with sin. We all, we all go through stuff. But we still need this accountability. We still need people who are passionate about the holiness of God. And who know how to address that in the proper way. Phineas did this and and the plague stopped. Now, I have two references here for uh well actually just one reference here for Phineas. This is how this is what's so cool about this. Um Psalm 106, verses 28 through 31 says this. I'm gonna turn there. You don't have to if you don't want to. Um I'm not gonna lie to you, uh so you can trust me. This is what it says. Um Psalm one hundred six twenty eight through thirty one says, "Then our ancestors joined in the worship of Baal at Peor. They even ate the sacrifices offered to the dead. They angered the Lord with all these things, so a plague broke out among them. But Phinehas had the courage to intervene, and the plague was stopped. So he was regarded as a righteous man ever since that time. So he, God gave him props, like he's even mentioned, you know, in, in in the book of Psalms of how he stood up for what was right." And he put he God used him to put an end to this plague, so that yes, twenty four thousand people died. But at least it was just twenty four thousand. If that's if you can even quantify that, it could have been more. But Phineas stepped in, and he's like, "This isn't allowed. We're not going to go. We're not going to do this." What, what's crazy about this is for the children of Israel, they had, as we see from the script from First Peter, you know, Satan is prowling around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. You kind of have that imagery in 22, 23, and 24 with, you know, the enemy really trying to use Baal to pronounce a curse upon Israel, like aggressively going after Israel. But that didn't work. Well, this is what we know about the enemy from Genesis chapter 3, but also 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He's like a snake. He's a serpent. And if you can't get in, like as a, you know, aggressive apex predator, lion kind of thing, going to destroy He'll try to figure out a way where he can slither in. And chapter 25 is where he slithered into the camp. He couldn't destroy it like a lion, but he was going to slither in. Because he's he's gunning for these guys. He's looking to bring them down. And the whole Midianite thing and the compromise, it's just the work of the enemy. It's the work of the enemy, trying to destroy God's people. Because if we remember Genesis chapter 3, Satan has to destroy God's people. Because the Messiah was promised to come through. God's people, the Jews. So he's looking to get, get at them any way possible. And this little compromise led to the death of this many people, 24,000. But then it, it goes on to say, verse 10, Moses, or the Lord says to Moses, Phineas, son of uh, Eliezer, the grandson of Aaron, the, the priest has turned away my anger from the Israelites by being zealous, um, as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all Israel I had intended to do because of my zealous anger. Now tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his zeal for me, uh, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. This is just a beautiful statement from God concerning Phinehas, the guy who just, who just stepped in and did what was right. He just did what was right. and God's like, I'm well pleased with this guy. Phineas, is, he's the man. Moses, this, this kid is the man. And his legacy is cemented from, there, from then on. Verse 14, the Israelite man killed with the Midianite woman was named Zimri, or Zimri, the son of Salu, the leader of the family of the tribe of Simeon. The woman's name was Cosby. She was the daughter of Zur, the leader of the Midianite, Midianite clan. So both of these were kind of higher ranking individuals when they came when they came together and all that good stuff it says then the lord said to moses attack the midianites and destroy them because they assaulted you with deceit and tricked you into worshipping baal of peor and because of Cosby, the daughter of the midian of a midianite leader who was killed at the time of the plague because of what happened at peor so just one last thing before we move on into 26 here it's 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 fascinating how how the lord phrases this out okay Attack the Midianites and destroy them because they assaulted, they assaulted you. When in our minds, we, we immediately think of this physical attack against them. But it wasn't a physical attack. It was through deception. They were attacked through deception. You can be attacked through deception. So you gotta be on guard. You need to be alert. You gotta be, you you need to realize, as Paul would say, the schemes of the enemy. He, he's the same. He, he hasn't changed his methods all that much. You want to know why? Because they work. Because they work. So he's coming. He, just like he was coming after them, he, he, he's knocking on your door as well. So you've got to be alert. You need to be wise to the schemes of the, enemies, of the enemy. And that's why Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 gives you a whole list of like spiritual armor. He's like, just wear this all the time. Don't take it off. We're like, don't take it off. The helmet of salvation, you and I need that all the time. Breastplate of righteousness, we need that all the time. Belt of truth, all the time. Feet shod with the the gospel of peace, the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need that. We need the shield of faith. We need the sword of the spirit all the time. Because the enemy doesn't take naps. He's on the move. And if he can't get you like a like a roaring lion... He'll, he'll try to slither on into your life. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. And just like he did here with the children of Israel. But God's like, go, go and defend yourself. Go take them out because they assaulted you. They tricked you into worshiping Baal and Peor. Be on alert. They, uh, you, you've heard this. I don't, I don't need to use this illustration, but you've heard this many times. You gotta stay in the Word of God. Just stay in the Bible. Just stay in the Bible. Like, read it. Daily I is my encouragement uh, because we know this we we learn this from bank tellers right the 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 way to identify the best way to identify counterfeits is by handling the real thing over and over and over and over again okay stay in the word of God you don 't have to go looking to study the counterfeits so that you can identify them no you will identify counterfeits by just spending a lot of time in this book so when you Every wind of doctrine comes blowing in through the church and all that stuff. Does it line up with this thing? Because if it doesn't line up with the word of God, I don't have time for it. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be tricked into you know deviating, You know, going to the left or going to the right. I just want to say, just like God had told uh, Joshua, just stay in the word. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Just stay in the word. Just stay in the word. You and I have to do that because the enemy does attack in various ways, and one of those is trying to deceive and trick us in taking our eyes off of the Lord. So he's out there. He's out there, and compromises is one of his most effective tools. It just is. So because you had all these people die, 24,000, and because you're at the doorstep of the promised land, and essentially the 40 years have kind of expired There needs to be another recounting of the troops. We've already done this before, but but all the ones who've been counted before are now, well, they're deceased. They're no more. So God wants Moses to recount the troops so we have a good understanding of who you have concerning warriors. So that's what chapter 26 is.
0: I'm so grateful that I have the ability to tune into life changing truth from the messages of Pastor James Grizzle right here on Bread for the Broken. It's like water to my soul. I'm in an unusually busy season of my life where, if I'm not careful, I'll just shrivel up. At least that's what it feels like. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's God's way of telling me that I need Him. Not activities, Him. Not entertainment, Him. You get the idea. I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but how long will I make God wait? He is patient for sure, but he also has a purpose for my life. If I decide to do things that aren't in line with him, you can bet that he's going to check me on it. He'll keep me in the desert as long as need be, like he did with the Israelites after they escaped from Egypt. But I can take comfort in the fact that I'm in this space because something needs to happen within me, so I can be more like him. If this message has resonated with you at all, would you consider donating to this ministry? You can find information on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, take a look around. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We think it's important to magnify the name of Jesus at all ages. So why don't you come out and meet Pastor James Grizzle and everyone else here. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston, located in Galveston, Texas. It's our prayer that you're finding hope and new life in Jesus through the teaching of Scripture. Make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken.